Hello, and welcome to Ponderings from the Purse, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. We are live today from IIEX. With me, first of all, is Bianca Pryor. And for those of you in this industry, I was introduced to her from Dinah Bowen. So a big shout out to Dinah. She is a powerhouse in this industry. But Bianca Pryor is the VP of Consumer Insights and Content Strategy and Optimization at BET. And she has been in the academic side of the research industry for more than 15 years. And she started out coming through market research from the focus group facility setting and then into a research house. She was at Kantar at TNS and she really credits them for teaching her everything that she knows about market research and setting up trackers, designing samples, et cetera, et cetera. So she is such a dynamo, but now she is bringing her passion to more of a role where she's being able to provide insights around culture. So you're going to meet her in just a second here. And one of her colleagues and friends for a long time is Crystal Day. She's at Google Marketing Insights. Uh, She's a strategy and impact leader. Specifically, she's the global head of marketing measurement at YouTube. And she is absolutely (laughs) passionately curious about um, analytics and the insights, but this is this is where you're going to see the connect between the two wonderful professionals here. She gets really excited about representing the voice of the customer and uncovering those deep insights that actually push 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 innovation. Right, so she's looking at impact in communications. And I know that she has a lot of war stories about how she's been able to do that over the years. But one of the biggest things that she's most excited about is the work that she's been able to do to advocate for gender um, equality and diversity. And so from her perspective in the media side of things, also, she's seen how media is shaping our culture. And she really has challenged a lot of other market research professionals about the unique opportunity that we have to shape society around us for better and to use market research to really create a better world in which to live. So let me welcome here to the virtual stage, Bianca Pryor. Here she is and Crystal Day. Okay, Bianca, I'm going to start with you. Um, What did I miss about your intro? Like, what is something that we really should know about you? Something you just love about your job or someone just has to know at the outset? You know, I I think the first thing to say is that I love solving problems. And I think that's the beauty about being client side now is that I really get to immerse myself in all the problems throughout the organization. So um, we're really lucky here at BET that not only do we have a linear offering, right, on just basic channel TV, but we also have a streaming service called BET Plus. You can find that on Apple, on Amazon, plenty of other places. But what I love about that is it's giving me a multitude of problems to wrestle with. So not just, you know, linear TV, but also the future, which really is streaming. So I love that. And we're working with some amazing content producers. I'm talking Tyler Perry, Lena Waithe, who does The Shy, um, Will Packer. He also did um, the movie Girls Night, so or Girls, excuse me, Girls Trip. 
And um, so we are testing constantly. I know, I know. I feel like we should be on that that movie. <laughs> but podcast is over. We're going on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's a great time to be at BET to really see the brand grow. And you know, really, I would say our end game is looking to how do we target you know and bring more people into our franchise, especially through streaming products. So it's a fun time. Okay. Well, that's that's super great. We're going to talk a little bit about your day-to-day and some of the fun pilots and some of the, the, the content testing you're getting to do. Crystal, what did I miss about you? What do people need to know about who you are and what you represent, really? Um, so this is not related to my current job, but just a fun fact that, that Bianca knows. Um, I started off as a pilot. So my undergrad, I was an aviation major. So I, I feel like it's always fun with market research to ask people like what they studied in school, because it very rarely is market research. We all kind of find our own weird way into it. Um, I graduated after 9-11 and the airlines were going bankrupt. It wasn't a great time. So I went back to business school and I was working at a focus group facility at night because I could go to school during the day and, and work there at night. And I fell in love with qualitative research. Um, and that's kind of how I, I got my weird way into market research, but it's such a good fit for me. And I just love it. And here you are again at another point in time where the airlines are going bankrupt. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my choice. <laughs> now I can fly us on that girl's trip, you know. Right, okay. So, <laughs> since we're being a little bit personal, so I just want you to know, Crystal, you have um, you have really secured my spot as mom of the year in my house because the fact that I'm talking to somebody from YouTube today has made my street cred with my 11-year-old go up like 18 notches. And I really feel that I'm going to get that that trophy. And um, and so I just want to know that I'm going to share the winnings with you. All right. (laughs) It might be it might be a pot holder that we have to do in shared custody, but we're going to do it. That's good. My 11 year old just started a YouTube channel. And so I'll have to you know, I'll have to make sure I mention it in one of my uh one of my show notes so that we can see what we can do there. But on to bigger and better things on this podcast. What's interesting is you two know each other as professional colleagues and have for many years. And I think what's interesting about this conversation, the reason why I didn't want to have just a one-on-one interview is because there's some, there's some dynamics here where I feel like you guys know deeply what it is that you have done in the past and what really, what, what you bring to the table as a market research professional. And I know that there are many companies out there who are looking at you know what they have in house and saying it's not just about a methodology, it's not just about you know um, you know a, an agility platform. It's not about any of those things. It's kind of a little bit like what Bianca started with is it's that mindset of solving the problem. Mm-hmm. But everybody brings something different to the table, and we don't have to necessarily you know bring that and and, and just try and define it too much. We also need to be able to come to meetings during the day, which I'm sure you both have a lot of, um, with a little bit of openness. Like, what could I do here? What could I bring to this interesting um, or wicked problem that we need to unravel as a company, right? So I just want to invite the two of you to also ask each other questions as we go through this conversation. 
We obviously have really great chemistry. This is not going to be difficult. Um, <laughs> but I want to give people a sense of, you know, who you are as personal professionals also with some really great insight about what's been going on at both of your companies. So is that fair? Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Awesome. I am going to open it up for a little bit of Q&A if we possibly have time. So if you're on the chat right now, feel free to throw something over there and I will try and attend uh, to it as we're going along. So I want to start with you, Bianca. I um, talked with you earlier in the year closer to like IIEX behavior and really heard about how, you know, uh, current events were really changing your day to day. So before we launch into that, can you explain to people what your day-to-day -day is um, as far as, you know, getting into the things like what pilots you're looking at and the promo chat, like explain mm -hmm. a little bit of, of, of what the actual meat of the job is. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So as Priscilla said, I'm the vice president of content optimization. So that's within the consumer insights bubble. And in the media space, it's a pretty big bubble. So you could do maybe attribution, you could do ad sales research, but I don't touch that. I'm just looking at the content. So think about content exactly as Priscilla said. So any promos, trailers, um, pilots, or recurring series. So that's all the kind of fun stuff that my team is testing. So we're often testing it before it goes, um, you know, when it's been produced, right? And then after it's been produced, you know, maybe they want to make some tweaks to it and maybe figure out, okay, well, how will we position this actually in the promo or the trailer? What should the key art look like? You know, who should we position in terms of the actor, actress, you know, on that key art? So really big questions around that. Um, are we hitting on the tone? What are some of the show elements? So lots and lots of things that we're testing at many different levels. Fun, fun, fun. I love it. And because we have a very deep, you know, pipeline of things that we're constantly testing, it's a busy time mm -hmm. and not just again for the linear side, but also for the streaming side as well. And the many different apps in between. And also another piece of equity, you know, that BET does great at is we also host events and tent poles. So tent poles, you could think of the hip hop awards, the BET awards, Soul Train awards, all that fun stuff. So mm -hmm. on the occasion, we're doing like some post event measurement. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So where you're a little bit different from Crystal, Crystal, you move more into the creative uh, side of it. So give us a little bit of the day-to-day -day for you. So it's a little bit of a compare and contrast, and then let's get into what happened this year. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, so I manage all of our, our creative testing for, for YouTube. So not for our advertisers, but for our own stuff. So um, we're doing, I'm, there's a spot coming out that um, for the NBA finals. So YouTube TV is sponsoring the NBA finals. There's a beautiful spot coming out. So keep an eye out for it. Um, so testing before, before we launch similar in that, you know, making sure it's, it's resonating, which has become very challenging lately because, you know, we're trying to respond in real time to current events. Um, so we're, tr we're, you know, pushing things out very quickly, but we still want to, you know, do some checking beforehand to make sure we're, we're hitting the right tone because there's so much sensitive stuff right now. Mm -hmm. 
So doing that and then measuring really the campaign impact. So all of these efforts we're doing, you know, around our brand or the different product areas, you know, there's, there's YouTube main, there's YouTube kids. Um, you know, we have YouTube music, we have YouTube premium, we have YouTube TV. Um, so all of those different efforts, like which ones are working, which ones aren't working, which ones are driving impact, you know, which ones are shifting perceptions and behavioral metrics. So really from beforehand, the pre-testing, you know, making sure we have meaningful creative that's going to resonate with people, that people are going to tie back to to our brand. Um, but also, you know, what's the ultimate, like, what are we getting for all of those efforts we're doing? Right, right. So you, you entered into something of like a right around sports at the get-go, which is a little bit of a sore subject, but it's a sore subject in a very different way than some of the other things that have happened this summer. Um, it's maybe one of the pieces where we've lost a little bit of our comfort maybe as a, as a culture, as a society, as a, a place where we typically can agree, or at least when we're disagreeing, we're disagreeing with different shirts and it's all fun. Yeah. Uh, the disagreement that has come up and that you both are dealing with as market research professionals are not fun sports related um, disagreements. So, you know, Bianca, why don't you kick us off with what kind of what changed this year about your job and how were you able as you know leading your team to really quickly pivot and and what kinds of issues were were on your mind yeah yeah it's a great question priscilla so i started roughly in january and had a great strong first couple months you know and i managed a team at the time a team of four and you know moving and grooving and then boom, March hit. <laughs> what a year to join, right? You know, and everything offended. And we had to figure that out as a team and pivot very quickly. And I will say that kudos to Viacom CBS. They were on top of it. The operations teams really deployed a very solid plan and said, remote working, start date, let's do it. And made sure that we had all the resources we need. Um, but from like a, a research standpoint and what it meant from work for working, you know, with my team, it meant that we had to rethink everything. So projects that were in the pipeline that were meant to be in person and we were going to be in Cincinnati or Charlotte for focus groups, <laughs> we had to scrap that. And we were actually working on a major project that was like about seven phases long um, that was running up to... Um, the election to as part of our Reclaim Your Vote initiative and to get specifically Black male voters engaged through our brand. Right. And the vision was to do town halls or, you know, in-persons in these various cities and swing states, had to scrap all that and move to virtual. And thank goodness we had a very nimble, you know, partner that we work with that was able to work with us to adjust scope and timing and, you know, methodology and everything, but we got it done. You know, and that's just one example of a way in which we had to pivot. Um, and then I'd say the second thing, you know, was we started to take on more social impact type of, you know, work requests, you know, from our stakeholders internally. Um, we do have a social impact team but led by a fierce, fierce woman named Janine Leibert. And, um, you know, typically her day-to-day -day is like press and news and keeping up with that. But with everything that was happening with COVID, especially in the Black community, 
Um, we were also, our response to that was doing a um, campaign to fundraise, to distribute, redistribute back to the black community. So that was one thing. Um, then with the racial unrest, we, we wanted to know like where people's minds at, where their hearts at and how can we support. So that meant more requests, more things we had to answer and query against. And so that research actually became, I would say, wave by wave by wave. So every week we were dipping out there, mm -hmm. programming and Qualtrics ourselves, trying to get those answers. Right. Well, day to day, your, uh, your job really is to say, look, here's an idea or storyline. Does this storyline have legs with our community? with our audience. And so then when you turn around and you start engaging and working with the social impact team, now you're talking with them and saying, oh, our internal story, the story where we're trying to have more male black voters see themselves as engaged, does that story have legs? Mm -hmm. So, you know, can you tell me, if, if, do you remember another time where you worked so closely with your social impact group? No, I can't, Priscilla. And I think that, I mean, we knew that it was the run up to the election and we knew it was a census year. So in our heads going to this research, we had these two things, right? But then I was like, whoop, throw pandemic on top and throw like, you know, racial unrest and police brutality into the mix. And that really blew up the questions we were asking, right. as well as our point of view. So then they looked to us, BET being Black Entertainment TV, as a thought leader in this space. So how should we approach this? What is the language do we use? How do we frame this? Do you have data on this? So we started to almost become a an internal think tank, um, servicing our stakeholders, but also outwardly facing as well, too. Right. Okay, so let, let me let me bring this over to you, Crystal, because, you know, huge in your own work, even in your work at HP, you know, you have always uh, been a champion for diversity and inclusion. And then you step over here to YouTube. And <laughs> I, I, had, I had no idea how much, uh, you know, I would be in the center of it. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so here's the difference, the rub. Bianca's usually looking at, look, does this story have legs and can we use it? You're looking at, look, does this creative have legs? Can, you know, can we, should it? Now, now you guys are not only saying, can we use it? You're saying, should we use it? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, tell me about that nuance and how diversity has come in for you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, since this year, everything has changed. You know, we had all these campaigns we were working on, getting ready to launch, and and COVID hit, and it was like, hold everything. Our whole goal is to get information out there that's going to be helpful and to help people. So Google was one of, um, you know, the first companies to start working from home, mm -hmm. and they've They've told us we'll probably be one of the last to go back. They're going to be, you know, very conservative about it. And with COVID, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were surfacing authoritative content, you know, reliable content, trustworthy content. And we were really minimizing, um, you know, any harmful information or misinformation. So that was very important. And then when, when kids were got, got sent home um, from school, I think that's where it really sunk in. And it was like, oh, this, this is big and this is going to be a while. So really quickly, the product team um, launched a, a learn at home website and we cultivated 
all of this learning content. We partnered with the Khan Academy and, you know, YouTube is known for a place to go to learn. How do I fix my refrigerator? You know, people do go to it already to learn things. So, you know, we wanted to build on that existing consumer behavior, but, you know, now it's like, where can people go to learn about racial justice? Like, how do I have these awkward conversations with, you know, a friend or a family member says something that that's not okay. What do I say? Right. Um, so it's, it's been very cool to see how we can take, you know, that something that we are good at that people go to us for learning, but you know, something that's so meaningful and it can have such an impact on cultural right now. Right. Okay. I, I love that idea because you're right. We just Google it. But mm-hmm. let me press one more issue. And then I've got a really good question that's come across the chat. But let me press let me press that issue just a little bit about, you know, creating uh, this content. Um Oh gosh, how exactly like that? Yeah, you know, let me take let me take his first and then and then we're gonna come back here. Well, actually, let, let me do this one. So, you know, people talk about now this is where you've been. Both of you are in a very different world, and then we're gonna kind of head back to a normal, a new normal or something like this. But I have to say, in terms of YouTube and even all the streaming content and digital and entertainment, the interesting thing is I've never experienced such a diverse offering of things that I want to watch. And to be really honest. I really do want to watch the things people are putting in my stream. And it kind of almost makes you mad that I haven't been fed that content for all this time. Right. So <laughs> I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I can't wait to get back to normal. I personally, I never want to go back to that normal. So what is the role for the two of you as insights professionals to help us not go back to that new normal and not get those tests? I don't, I'm not saying it's a fault of testing or a fault of demand or fault of, you know, there's something systemic also wrong in the way we serve up digital content, which we all know because it's algorithmic based, right? So what are your thoughts about this? I don't want to go back to normal either. What have been some of the really bright spots about what you've learned and what you think is just going to stick at YouTube and what is going to stick at BET? You want to go first? <laughs> I can say that. Um, yeah, I would say that one of the things, so we've also seen in our data too, that the same thing Crystal's seen is this hunger for information, right? That it's credible, that it's trustworthy. So even though we're trying to build up, you know, the amount of news that we're pushing out at BET at the same time, what we're seeing in data, and we have to, you know, really, really look at the gray area is that people still want to laugh. People still want to laugh. They want to smile and they want to escape reality just a little bit. So, and the only way to uncover that is we have to design research that's really going to lean into those need states, those content needs. And those are through very emotional questions. Those are still through human conversations, um, through the IDIs or the focus groups or the way you frame that question so that you are tapping in and really pulling that out. So we know the state of the world that we're in. We recognize that. So the, the response is, okay, let's let's give, let's provide that, fill that need with information. But really, there is still very much a need to escape, mm-hmm. to laugh, and to just enjoy life. Right. So um, BET is spending quite a bit of time or, you know, strategy thinking about that as well. Like, how do we not lose sight of that as yeah. well, too? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Crystal, what do what, what you folks do? at YouTube. Yeah, I I definitely don't think we're going to go back 
to the old normal. You know, I just don't think we are. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, for good reasons. Right. Um, you know, I've been so impressed and really, really proud of the way Google has handled this with YouTube. They've committed a um, hundred million dollar fund to support black creators. And it has become, you know, we're really trying to be thoughtful about the way we roll this out. It's not just, you know, I work in marketing insights and marketing measurement, but we realize this isn't just a marketing problem. So we're like, we need to go relook at our policies, you know, and work with our product team to make sure our product is different that, you know, that like, like you said, Priscilla, that like, why haven't I seen these before? You know, we want to like make this commitment to continuing to promote black creators. And so their stories are being heard and we're not just promoting their culture, but you know, the hard stuff as well and having that good balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also want to make sure because we are an open platform, you know, we don't control everything that goes out there. um, But we need to work with our, our policy team to ensure that Uh, when we talk or when our black creators are talking about these personal sensitive topics that they feel safe, that YouTube is a safe place. And, you know, that's our responsibility to make sure they're protected from hate speech and that they feel comfortable sharing that stuff. And we're creating that space where people can have those really tough conversations where, you know, we can all learn from and hopefully never go back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I did think about, uh, I think it maybe was even maybe when I was on the flight to IIX um, in March, right before the whole lockdown. And so I'm a long flight over to Amsterdam. And I remember watching the one about female directors and about, you know, Gina Davis obviously has been pushing this and getting to watch this documentary about what is the system that basically shuts women out of directing and, and what, what do we need to do? It's more like, you know, what do we need to do? You know, as a society, we have to vote with our wallets, too. We have to actually go and support this. This is a money-making enterprise. And so I remember just thinking, oh, my gosh, it took so long for this, you know? And that's how I'm feeling about, you know, this whole idea of, like, supporting Black creatives. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, seriously, I do remember at a, a rally about a, a couple years ago, I remember this lady walking around with a placard that said, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. And she was yeah. like... And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) You know, I I do, I love hearing that, you know, from two market research professionals who are really at the helm of things, who have have at their fingertips the ability to sway conversations and be in rooms that they see that as a part of the social good they should be doing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to come back to that social good. We're going to let you guys kind of talk about that. I've got a good question here. Will Leach from uh, from Marketing to Mind States from from Trigger Point. He has a question really specifically for you, uh, Bianca, about, let me kind of boil it down into this, a little bit of reverse engineering. How tempting is it for you as a market research professional to then come back to the creative team and prescribe the content that needs to be done all the way down to look, here's the story arc that people are hungry for. This is the kind of thing that would do well, you know? So tell me a little bit about why it doesn't go that way, or is it very tempting for you to go that way? Elaborate on that for us. Yeah. I think the the first lesson I learned (laughs) coming to the client side is the 
bravado, you know, going into meetings maybe doesn't always work. And you have to think about the politics of things, right? And because we're interfacing with a brand creative team, you know, what I've learned is that, you know, when you present it with data and you do it simply, there's just so much power in that alone. If you overcomplicate the thing, you know, the message starts to get clouded. There becomes a little bit more resistance. And I think it's far easier. Keep the message simple, you know, handful of data points, you know, and more often than not, you know, the message is discerned and not just heard or listened to. Okay, I, I hear you, but it really is discerned and they see the beauty in data. And I think the other thing working in our favor here at BT2 is that our, our, our president, Scott Mills, is very data driven and he stands by that as well, too. So it's coming, pushing down from the top, also from the bottom. And then I think that there's just a general cultural respect for data, research and insights that, you know, I'm very thankful for. So it makes my job a little bit easier. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to switch this a little bit, kind of back on the issue that we were talking about, Crystal, because I do know a lot of your, I'm going to pull a little bit from your diversity and inclusion work and, and gender equity issues from HB and even back further. Um, but, you know, it has come up to, to people and, and even it's be, the issues being raised in the chat again, with all of the issues on Black Lives Matter and the need for diversity, and even if you think about, you know, gay rights and everything else, is the time of that, you know, um, the the gender equity issue, like where women are in our society, is that conversation losing traction, or or is it being put by the wayside, or is it a it's not a this or this, it's an and and all wrapped up? What are what are your thoughts from having seen it? from such a, you know, over so many years at several very large corporations. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's it's going on to the wayside. I mean, I do think it's it's all it's all diversity. So, and this was one of the things that Bianca and I bonded on, you know, a few years ago, um, I was hosting a See Her workshop um, we did in San Diego and, and Bianca came and it was, you know, it was just a smaller part of our job, I think at that time, but it was like the part that we were both so passionate about. So I, I think when, I think with diversity, you know, when we're pr promoting any minority group and showing like why that's so important that they have representation, it really, it, it helps all the minorities. Groups, you know, because it's just makes it it makes it more top of mind for people. It's like, oh, yes, we need to make sure we have equal representation here, you know, right. um, across races, across LGBTQ, across genders. Um, and so I, I do think having this heightened attention on Black Lives Matter is helping the whole diversity movement. Definitely. Awesome. Kind of as, as a follow-up to that, um, Adam Diedrich is asking, do you think, you know, YouTube, BET, or even all of the Google family, you know, companies, is there something you can point to, and I hate to put you on the spot, but something that's really good that you feel like you guys will take into 2021 very specifically? You know, I, I do, I'll kind of give you a little bit of a leader, Bianca. I know a while back you and I talked about and you mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, a private, you know, um, event that you have in the spring, um, you know, really 
and tell us a little bit about that, even though it is a private, you know, mm -hmm. function. But what do you think is the lesson from 2021? What's the bright spot when we when we enter that? Yeah. So the event that you're talking about is Meta. So that's the Media Entertainment Technology Alliance. So we do that. Uh, I think it's every February sometimes. So it is a private event. But I think that you know, what we've learned about 2020 is that, you know, when it comes to events, when it comes to programming, I think the beauty of all of this is that we can have virtual formats, mm -hmm. right? For, for most anything. Right. And we can take that into 2021 with us because again, this goes back to Crystal's point about how do you get information out there quicker and faster? No longer do you have to have this, um, you know, log jam of information or this this certain event, or it has to be at, at this convention center. Right. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. We can reimagine a new world where you can intake content virtually, you know, through Zoom, um, you know, televised or however it might be. But I think that there's just so many more possibilities um, from this, like a production standpoint. So I think at BET, I think that holds promise to us because it just gives us a little bit more avenues and, and lanes to play in. Oh, I love that. Anything to add there, Crystal? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the work has definitely um, increased because mm -hmm. of this. So right. there, there's more demand. Everyone wants to make sure, you know, this is driven by driven by customer needs and it's it's gonna land well and we we have to get creative and, and a little scrappy but it's it's kind of fun. Let's shift gears just a little bit. Now I've got a lot of uh market research professionals in the room and um you know they could be looking at you and saying well that's easy for you to say you wield a team so you feel like, you know, you could do social good, <laughs> but let's just dispel that now. <laughs> let's give a little bit of advice to people who are not in your position, who maybe do not have a leadership, who are just completely open to the kind of social good that you want to do with the data. Are there some pieces of advice or, you know, maybe a few experiences that you've had in your past where maybe the ideas that you had maybe weren't being received as well as you had hoped and you weren't getting the traction or the budget for what you wanted to do. So what kind of advice do you have for market research professionals that are listening today? What can they do to use their profession for social good? Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, in the past, maybe it was it was a much smaller part of our job, my job for sure. Um, and, you know, in previous jobs, I was the one always like, oh, we should do this diversity thing. We should do this. And, you know, I, I would get some traction. But now I do think, you know, as market research professionals, we, we have access to the data, which is on our side. And it's becoming not a nice to have like consumers demand it and expect it of you and it's you know even before when we did do that you know maybe I had to push them um to, to get them to to take on a project but the results were it's good for business too so it's not just the right thing to do like it makes us all feel good and we know that's the right thing to do but it's also good for business and now it's becoming necessary for business so right. not just good but you, you know cancel culture you're gonna get canceled if if you're not on mm -hmm. train. so i love that bianca what about what about you what kind mm -hmm. of advice do you have 
I think I'd say the first, the first stop is just like figure out like what your passion is, you know, is it to help and support the black community? Is it to help, you know, endorse LGBTQIA plus like what, where, where do your passions line align? And then from there, I would say, let people know, like speak on it, speak your truth, like reach out to your LinkedIn networks and say, Hey, you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, resources or it's not part of my remit, but I would love to help you and support you on this. After we did, um, my team and I did a COVID, it was for Insights Association, we did a talk. I had a an amazing vendor partner reach out and say, look, we see this as a way of providing, um, you know, justice, you know, back, you know, is there a way in which we could turn your data into an infographic? It was something so simple and so thoughtful that meant a lot to me because I was like, yes, like this is a way to piggyback off of this conversation, the data that you're seeing and turn this into an infographic that we could share more widely within the organization. So I think there are many different ways, creative ways in which you can give back, you know, do good, create social, social impact. And I always like to think of resources and time, money, and energy. It doesn't always have to be money, but energetically you can always give back. And I do believe that. I love that. I love that. You know, I do speak frequently (laughs) for work and I uh, was turned on uh, to Gender Avenger, which is a pledge that you take. You won't speak at a conference unless there's uh, equality and gender on the stage. And, you know, I've translated that into look, unless there's diversity equality here, I don't want to be involved in it. And sometimes that means turning down, you know, a paid gig. Um, Sometimes it also means turning down a, you know, a not paid gig in an audience that has, is full of your most ideal clients. And so it hurt, you know, Um, but I find I've only one time had to just say no to someone because it was just ridiculous. Um, But uh, normally what happens is I say, you know, I'd really love to take that, that gig. um, But this is the pledge I've taken um, so let me know when you have the rest of the speakers or let me know, you know, I'm looking at the speakers right now and I notice it's all a bunch of white dudes. And uh, listen, I don't hate white dudes. That's fine. But that does not represent what needs to be said at this conference. And even if you take, there's just all kinds of diversity too. You know, we can take that up further too. I, I you know, I, I don't want to be at a conference that has all young people talking about social media. You know, there's a voice to, that we need to hear of the dyed in the wool, very sophisticated salesperson who's 55 and knows what they're talking about and has really been able to wield social media correctly. And so I see this across so many things. And now I'll probably get off my soapbox, but this is my podcast. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, that I that, that I want to say, but I just don't think it gets just into one issue. So I love what you're saying, Bianca. Find the thing that you you really are passionate about. And it's okay if you do, we don't all don't have to do everything and we all don't have to do a big thing all day long. We're working Mm -hmm. on jobs, but the question is like, what is the small thing that we're doing and how can I do my job right now in a way that includes it? Mm -hmm. Let me shift gears to you, uh, you guys as, as, as ladies. Okay. Because we know that there's a lot of mentorship that needs to happen in market research bringing women on board and really getting more, um, you know, diverse, whether that's race, age, you know, um, just all kinds of skill sets. So tell me a little bit about your experience 
for your own career, if you were mentored by anyone, or if you were actually sponsored in by anyone. So I'll start with you, Crystal, but was there, is there something that you, that you had a great experience or a bad experience with mentorship? And is there something that you see that we could be doing differently in the market research space? I've had um, some great experiences with colleagues, mentors who, you know, previous bosses who I still keep in contact with and, and talk to like on a weekly basis, you know, sometimes just to bounce ideas off of my current job, Bianca found it and sent it to me. So it's, I mean, it's just talking to people, you know, and she knows me and she saw it and she's like, this seems right up your alley. Mm -hmm. Um, She also, before that we were talking about, you know, what we were interested in, what we loved about our job, what we didn't like about our job. And she recommended this book to me designing your life and I have bought it for so many of my girlfriends and and it's gone like international you know so for her introducing it to me I sent it to my friend in New Zealand and she's passed it on to so I I do I'm so happy with I feel like women are supporting women so much more and when you like Bianca said like put that out there what you're passionate about let that be known. Um, and this group of women who I've worked with over the years, we, we still keep in touch and we look out for each other and, you know, we can sympathize with each other. So, you know, lean on your girlfriends. Like when we're freaking strong, when we're like join forces, like power of the pack. Well, and, you know, being involved in women in research, I have to say in this particular in particular um, mark, uh, market research niche, there have been so many men that are really supportive of that group, that organization and helping mentorship and sponsorship, you know, at being even available for it. And it doesn't count you out. And I'd like to kind of make that point. Bianca, I'm not black. That doesn't count me out from helping, you know, my black sisters. It doesn't just because I may not be, you know, uh, 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 gay. And that doesn't mean I can't help my gay, you know, uh, professionals. And I think sometimes we get into this idea of, oh, if that applies to me, then I'll help. Mm-hmm. Like, what? what? What does that have to do with anything? So I do want to point out as much as I made fun of white dudes, but I know a lot of white dudes that are helping, too. And I think that's part of the beauty that we need to see. We need to be able to ask and not be super embarrassed about it. Bianca, tell me what's going on at BET. What are those, you know, what are those interns coming in? What do they need? Where do they want to go next? If BET isn't the next step for them, how do we get those people somewhere else? And and how do we ask when we're not in the know? Because Mm. sometimes I don't know how to help someone who's facing some kind of, um, uh, antagonism or some kind of a real block that I've never experienced. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, I, I think it's interesting the way you open up the dialogue, you know. So I want to give just a minute about um, to, for you guys to kind of give me a wave your magic wand. <laughs> it's kind of like a pet project or something at either, you know, YouTube or at BET that you have been dying to do. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to hold, you know, we don't have to give specifics where you're like, no, and they won't let me do it. But is there something that you think would be super interesting that maybe by time or just by focus have not been able to do? Is there, is there a dream project out there for either one of you? Gosh. Ooh, I made a hard <laughs> 
I'll answer. And I think that what I would love to do or work on a project or a show or create content around healing in the Black community. Mm. So I think that so much of, you know, the perception is, okay, in the Black community, you know, you're going to church, you're going to pray, and that's how you're going to heal, right? But I think that there's so many alternate forms cropping up. And I actually, um, fun fact about me, I went to Australia last year and I became a certified soul coach. So I'm learning about this whole world around like energetics and actually Crystal was so sweet. Um, when I had completed that course, she sent me like a little box of crystals <laughs> to play with. It was so sweet and so fun. But but the idea that there are many forms to heal and to self-care and to take care of yourself and especially in the times we're in that are so layered with so many things, what could that look like, right? How do you present that on TV? Mm-hmm. And the implication is, right, taking care of your mental health, mm-hmm. how you show up for others, um, how you take care of your family. Like there's so many things that like I see a lot of opportunity in that area that I would just love to just wrestle with because I think in the Black community, there really has been a stigma around oh, you go to a therapist? What? Like, no. And, and like, that's, but that's, that's the stigma, right? But how do you undo that? And how do you um, present something that is palatable that people know? Okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe something they, it, it introduces an idea that they've never tried before. Absolutely. See, that was a hard question, but I got a gem out of you on that one. <laughs> Can you wave a magic wand? What's something that you would love to see? You know, something I would love to see. um, So we have a YouTube kids app. So for for younger um, kids and, and for parents who, you know, you're working and you want your kid to be quiet. You want to give them some screen time, but you, you, you don't want to feel guilty. You don't want you know, who knows what they could stumble upon. So everything on YouTube kids is safe. And well, actually, um, Crystal, I think the problem is I know what they could stumble. Yes. Upon. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think it would be great um, to have, you know, more learning tools for white kids, you know, to learn about white privilege because I mean, I'm embarrassed to admit that that's something I did not learn about until my 30s, you know, and when I was a kid, we were taught to not see color, you know, and that with all good intentions, you know, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. But, you know, I've learned so much just over the last six months. And it's like, it does matter. And learning what, you know, my black friends and colleagues have had to go through, like, we need to recognize that. Um, so I think, you know, we have that opportunity, both Bianca and I working in media, because you see something, you know, like mental health in the black community, if you see it on TV, it becomes normal, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, instead of this weird taboo, the same with LGBTQ, you know, I remember my dad saying, yeah, when I was a kid, you would never see that on TV. And, you know, the more you see it, the more normal. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and I think about like my nephews, you know, they're very aware of trans people and they're in, you know, first grade. And that's, that's awesome. We just, you know, need, people need to be exposed to it. So it's more normalized. So it's more open and people feel more comfortable about it. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love that. So I wanted to let a couple of people know about some um, things in the market research industry itself. I have a really good friend, Mario Javier Carrasco, and he's on the board for Insights in Color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if some people have heard about that, but I'll definitely include that in the show notes. So if you're interested in what what that what's happening there, but there's also um, a, a counterpart to that in the UK that is just having a launch party next month. It's called Color of Research. Now they're Brits, so they spell color wrong. So you can find it if you want to go ahead and spell color wrong. <laughs> but um, you know, I, if anybody has anything else like that that they'd like to contribute and help us get to know what some of these things. We only find out about this because we talk about it, right? So throw it in the chat. And then obviously, you know, I'm on social media. So I'll be posting about this uh, podcast. And when you see this podcast, please make sure that you tag any other kind of link of somewhere that people could go so they could find their one sliver, you know, of thing. What, what What's the thing that could change change it for them? What could make this more meaningful? How could we, you know, be professionals who see part of our job and really part of our, our life as humans as bringing that social good to the table. And um, I just cannot thank the two of you enough for coming to this because when I have heard stories of you before we all connected, I was like, yeah, I think I would like them. And then the three of us got on a couple of prep calls and I'm like, Okay, these people are awesome. <laughs> so fun. So we could talk all day. Yeah, but I know you guys have a lot going on. I appreciate you taking the time, but I really want to make sure that we tag you back in a couple of other social media things so that we can follow up this conversation. I think the worst thing that we could do is get this conversation going, be inspired by what's going on at YouTube, what's going on at BET, and then kind of let the fire die. That's we don't want to go back to that new normal. So in parting thoughts, Bianca or Crystal, is there anything else you want to add that you'd like to say to the IIX community? Anything else? I just think it's, it's an exciting time. It's obviously very challenging, everything that's happened recently, but I think it's brought a lot of things to the forefront. And, you know, we have this, we have an opportunity to make a change with it. And so that's, that's exciting. So we can do it. All of us. Yeah. Right. Right. Don't have last words. Yeah. Cause it's the exact same way as crystal is like there at a time where data is so important and it matters that like we are in roles where we have the power to take the data and translate it back and speak that language and mm-hmm. interpret it down and out to the masses. And it is absolutely a, a fun time, transformational time to be in and just stay encouraged. You know, I know, I know it's tough out there, but stay encouraged and let's stick together. Right. And let's lean on each other. And if you've heard something in this conversation that resonates, you know, reach out. I'm happy to talk more. I love a good chit chat. So from all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day. And as always, Happy marketing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.